0: the Pilot TV podcast this week Anna friel joins us on the show to talk about the third season of Marcella which we in the UK have been waiting a very long time to see and we get down with the Antichrist in Fox UK's Omen spin-off Damien which has taken even longer to make it to these shores plus we get to see the world through Alan Tudyk's eyes when he plays an extraterrestrial visitor on a mission to wipe out humanity in Sky's Resident Alien I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, a show that sadly doesn't have Russell T. Davis among its hosts this week as he's preoccupied starting his Expanse slash Vikings marathon. But, but, while we don't have the Notorious RTD on the show this week, we are blessed with the next best thing. I refer, of course, to Pilot TV's very own tour villain Dean, Terry White and Boyd Hilton. How the devil are you both?
1: Good, I wasn't listening, but how did you make a Torval and Dean reference?
0: <laughs> I've decided, this is my new thing, I've decided instead of giving sort of laboured descriptive introductions, I'm going to each week compare you to a famous duo. And obviously, because uh, I have my finger on the cultural touchstone, I have gone with 80s figure skaters Torval and Dean.
1: Well, but Dancing on Ice started again, a reality show that I'm sure you're gripped by Um, started again last weekend, James. So Mm. actually, weirdly, you do have your finger on on the cultural pulse.
0: Are Torval and Dean even still alive? Torval- are they on this oh show? Of course they are. Torval
1: and Dean are coaches on this show, which is like Strictly come dancing, but right. ice skates. Right, on
0: ice, so and, more slippery. Um,
1: dancing on ice. Um, And yeah. uh, they are the coaches and two of the judges. They are very much alive. They do the bolero every single season, although I think they now have to cut a bit of it out because it's just too physically strenuous. Um, I thought
0: you were gonna say it's a little bit not suitable for work, but okay, uh, sure, go on.
1: So, um, yeah, weirdly you are right on the pulse and I thought you were just gonna tell me that you'd watched Dancing on Ice (laughs) last weekend.
2: But better than all of that, better than all of that is that on um, on New Year's Day, I think it was, on ITV, Torvald and Dean had a documentary called Dancing on Thin Ice, this is true, in which they went to like Alaska and Greenland and the Antarctic to look at global warming effect oh my on God. ice. Because they dance on ice. That's amazing. Yeah. That was I would an have hour... loved to have been in the room with yeah, that. I was, was say, imagine that pitch
1: meeting. Yeah.
2: Genius. Av- available now on the ITV Hub. Dancing on Thin Ice with
0: Torvald and Dean. Wow! So you knew it would happen eventually. Eventually, like sort of monkeys and typewriters. Eventually, yeah. I would stumble into cultural relevance completely by accident, and it has happened today on this podcast. So that's yeah. uh, that's exciting stuff. So, other than Torvald and Dean saving the environment, Boyd, what have you been watching this week?
2: Well, apart from I wanted to m- mention the inauguration, which was a which was a massive TV event. Like it went off for fucking hours. Like because because there was the build up. I watched it on CNN, obviously, and there was the hours and hours and hours of build up to it. Then there was the actual arrival of everyone um there were the speeches there was Amanda Gorman the poet who's now become a global superstar in as, look as soon as she as soon as she arrived and recited that incredible poem and um she's now i, I watched her go from like you know 20,000 followers on twitter to 2 million or whatever she's got <laughs> now and her books now like the best selling book on amazon in the world or something um so that was incredible and just like i know like a lot of like i consider myself to be a lefty socialist liberal or that but there are a lot of kind of hard left people who are instantly furious that centrist grandpa um, is the president <laughs> of america and they seem to be more furious about that than they were about trump and I, I find that whole thing irritating and i think the inauguration was incredibly uplifting and not just for middle-class white people like me lily lily-livered liberals i think a lot of people i think the emotional damage that trump did was real to a lot mm. of people Millions and millions and millions of Americans, probably 80 million, for example, who voted for um for for the new president. So I thought all just the whole day was was was, was genuinely uplifting. I thought I thought his speech was brilliant. And even though he is a he is an absolutely centrist grandpa, he you know he's changed stuff already. So, so this is a little bit of politics. He's already changed a lot of stuff for the better. He's already made the world and America a better place in his first few hours in office. But that TV event of the inauguration, and then also the they had the mu- the, the concert later hosted by Tom Hanks, looking really cold. In the- <laughs> Washington DC not as cold as Bernie yeah and Bernie Bernie on the sea is the greatest meme ever ever it's so brilliant I love him so much so all of those things made it uh, a lovely uh, event for me so there's that, and then I'm just going to mention two um, Netflix things. One is a serial killer um, documentary called Night Stalker, which arrived, I think, um, a couple of weeks ago. And Night Stalker is a very, very famous serial killer. One, a, 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 a guy in the in the seventies, sorry, in the eighties, in L.A., whose crimes, a, astonishing number of crimes, um, sexual assaults, murders. Rapes. He, dozens and dozens of them. And and the documentary tells the story of, from pretty much the detective's point of view, who eventually tracked him down, and the victim's point of view. There are interviews with people who, uh, victims who uh, managed to escape from his clutches, um, including a woman who was a young girl at the time. It's an extraordinary, stunning, incredible story. Nightstalk It's a very, very famous figure in American crime, uh, in, in the annals of American crime. But it's really. the the documentary is beautifully made almost uh, some you might say almost too beautifully made because it's very visually striking and it has like recreations of things and it is borderline tasteless but i think you know for 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 true crime documentary fans they're absolutely gonna love it um that's night stalker and then a a show i have to slightly apologize about because when we were picking shows, I think, from in the New Year, um, the first week of the New Year, when there was loads and loads of stuff. And I remember Terry saying on our WhatsApp group, oh, there's this new Martin Scorsese thing on Netflix. And I was like, yeah, it's a documentary about Fran do but don't, don't worry about it. I've started watching it. It's called Pretend It's a City. I thought it was a one-off documentary. It's actually a series. <gasps> of, yeah, I know. I know.
0: I but well, 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 I know. Kate, Kate uh, that's way too loud. I know. <laughs> that all went Literally in the red. banging
2: the table. But to, to defend myself, that was brilliant. That was a brilliant reaction. Um, to defend myself, the, net, the original um, Netflix info infobunct did not mention that it was a series. It doesn't say it's a series. So it's completely bewildering. But it is a series. And it's Fran Lieberwitz, who is this legendary American humorist basically as, as if such a thing exists anymore but basically she her job is to be funny in print and um, verbally and do events she does loads of events with Martin Scorsese they're their best mates where he interviews her in front of an audience and she's the star He's inter- he just happens to be the one interviewing her there's events that they show on, on film where he's just handling Q&A's from the audience it's really weird that Martin Scorsese has almost become her like you know facilitator and uh, just the guy who could just ends up hosting Q&A's for her um, but it's a love letter it's a kind of it's a love letter to New York to, to use that cliched phrase but it really is it's a beautifully made um, it's her talking about things about New York every single week and different like so one week might be about uh, people people who un- underappreciate it people who get carried away what's wrong with New York things that irritate her it's it's re- I-, I love. It. I mean, I absolutely love New York. I go. I've been going there every year for about twenty years, probably. Apart from until now, so I really miss the fact that I've got to go there, either professionally or personally. And this series will absolutely, if you like and love New York, this will underline what's incredible about it. Although, of course, living there and working there, as I found out from Terry White's memoir, can be an absolute fucking nightmare. <laughs> so, but bearing that in mind, this series is pretty incredible. pretend it's a city on Netflix. So, Terry, I kind of know what you've been watching, but why don't you tell us anyway? I you
1: know what I've been watching because <laughs> I've been texting you um, randomly out of context uh, my stream yep. of consciousness reaction to the final season of The West Wing. So, when I was ill recently, I um, nailed like two seasons in a couple of days. Um, and I find myself at the final season and I can't talk about it. And we can't talk about it on here. And we are going to plan what happens when I end this. And there will be some kind of. Uh, massively spoiler warnery conversation because i have so much to say so many emotions <laughs> my heart has been broken over and over again in so many different ways i'm so angry about certain things that have happened to certain characters as james will know from my latest <laughs> caps rant. and you know it i mean i feel quite a few things what what i can say without spoilers is that it is easily the greatest tv show of all time without (laughs) without competition and without question i feel kind of devastated that it's about to be over i feel sad about what's already in the past and it's just been like the most magnificent viewing experience of my adult life today it's a wondrous life-changing thing and i you know the only good thing about it finishing is i can actually read your epic (laughs) <laughs> a piece of journalism, James Dyer, that has been sat all, waiting for me for some time all now. twenty
0: four thousand words all, of it
1: twenty four thousand words i 've so many questions about um the way things have been done and and changes of personnel and who left when and i 've resisted reading anything because i didn 't like i said to you i didn 't want to know any spoilers about anything coming up. I wanted to experience this in as pure a way as possible. And I never read any West Wing things before this, really, because I didn't give a fuck. But now I do. So I have so much to read and so much to explore. And that, that's the kind of positive spin I'm putting on it. But yeah, I was up till two o'clock last night um, watching another four episodes. Uh So I think I might finish it this weekend. But I, I already kind of feel sad about that. Desperately sad. So,
0: but. Obviously, the main takeaway from all of this should be that I was right. Yeah, like that. That's essentially what we're saying <laughs> I here. Mean,
1: I will give you this one. I will give you this one. In this, you are entirely, entirely correct.
2: Wow! Excellent. Oh that's your theme
0: tune. That'll be at the front of every episode going forward.
2: <laughs> it almost can't take this level of uh, James accolade <laughs> uh, claim, etc. Have good, you been it? watching it? Uh, my, have you been watching it on all four? Yeah. Have you? Oh yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Hang on, didn't you buy it? I thought you I bought the box. I did buy it.
1: I did buy the box set, but I'm now watching it on all four because we have an all four subscription. Um and it's just easier for me to watch on all four. But I did I did buy it on Sky. <laughs> I did buy it on Sky. Um uh but you know, and, and somebody had complained and said, Oh, there's ads in it, and there aren't. There's a warning at the beginning saying some Due to the nature of the deal, there may be some some ads or some promotions they have to run in there. And I think it's because there's a couple of times where it was linked to something, and so they run that context. Um, but it's oh god! I think
2: it depends. All four is weird. I think it depends what platform you're watching it on. Well, I do. And, 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 I pay yeah.
1: for we pay right. for the no right. ads. Um, yeah, which is yeah, exactly. glorious. Yeah. But yeah, I just I mean, will there ever be a greater? Will there ever be a greater TV show? in the west thing ever. No. And that's the other thing I feel sad about. I feel sad like so when I was 18 and I really loved Oasis, when I got to 40 I realized that I will never ever feel <laughs> that way about a band again. I will never ever have that pure emotion I felt when I discovered them. And I thought that about the West Wing last night. I thought I'm gonna li- I might live to be I probably won't, but I might live to be <laughs> old. And I don't think I will ever discover or feel the way about a TV show that I feel about the West Wing. And that kind of makes me feel sad.
3: Mm.
2: You know, what I do think I genuinely do think that, that um, there will never be or it's really, really hard to have a network. Primetime proper American because remember, this, 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 these were like how many, like 20, 22 episodes a season. I
1: mean, 22,
2: yeah. Um, literally, what 150 episodes in total. I don't think that, I don't think you'll ever get, it'll be amazing to get that level of brilliance weekly in that type of TV because that's what I think makes it different to The Sopranos because The Sopranos was 10, 12 episodes or whatever and um, you know HBO all those HBO shows that people bang on about all those you know the legendary ones The the Wire none of those were like a proper network primetime show that had that many episodes of that level of purely brilliantly entertaining and amazingly well written and well acted and well filmed stuff that is what I think makes it completely unique
1: the cast like I was like obviously each season changes slightly but I was watching the the credits for the final season is ridiculous they're so long and then the, and every person is just massively famous and not even like they've become massively famous since they were all massively famous and you've got there's yeah. like fucking 15 of them by the end the opening credits are ridiculous and i thought that as i was watching it i was like the caliber of actor was just you know there's entire episodes where martin sheen's just not really in it because it's not really about him it's about the santos campaign and you know oh yeah i forgot martin sheen will pop up for literally like 10 seconds um it's oh god it's just magnificent just magnificent if you have it if you are listening to this and you still haven't watched the west wing and there are a couple of people on twitter who've said to me and said to me and james last night is it really that good? Is it really worth it? Because it is a commitment, 150 hours of television or whatever Boyd just said. I would say absolutely. This is a, this is a joy and a gift. And if you haven't yet experienced it, the thought of it being there waiting for you just makes me think you lucky, lucky sod. <laughs>
0: Mm. yes very much so it's it is by far and away my favorite piece of entertainment across any medium i love it i love it entirely well i haven't been watching the west wing for a change uh so i've watched a few things i will say my disappointment with the stand grows more acute every week um i do think rather than it's still going i do think rather than getting better it's actually getting more bland as it goes which is such a shame i'm really crushingly disappointed by The Stand. Um, At this point, I still rate the 90s miniseries over this one. That's how much I'm disappointed with it. I've kind of given up on a discovery of witches, which I never thought I'd say, but that bored me as well. Sorry. You know, to witches everywhere. Um, (laughs) But what I haven't given up on, what I haven't given up on is Ted Lasso. Now, Ted Lasso, Boyd and I like, Terry, you didn't like this, and it didn't make our list of the best shows of 2020. Now, I finished watching I'd watched a few episodes, but I'd kind of got behind, and I finished watching it this week, and it should have been on our list of the best shows of 2020. It absolutely should. It is just glorious, and I can't quite pin down what it is about this show, because it's kind of comedy. It's part drama, but it's it's not the kind of comedy I hate. It's not silly comedy. It's quite grounded comedy, but it has such heart to it and it's because his character and he's 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 wildly like almost annoyingly optimistic but not in a way that's unbelievable he's a completely real character and there's an incredibly bittersweet storyline going through this about his his relationship with his wife that he's you know separated across the ocean from and that's really heartbreaking and i just love this and i couldn't stop watching it and i genuinely think this is the perfect covid tv show because it is so feel good and it's so well written and you have to understand the pathological fury with which I hate football almost knows no equal. Like, I would burn that sport to the ground given half the chance. Blimey. And yet, this is a show about football that I just loved. absolutely. And I even found myself invested in the fucking games of the silly man kicking the ball around the field. But, you know, so, so good. And Jason Sudeikis is fantastic, but Hannah Waddington as Rebecca Absolutely hilarious! Uh, Juno Temple is so good as, as, as Keely. Uh, Brett Goldstein is fantastic as a team captain Roy Kent. Like everyone in this is really, really good. Nick Mohammed, Nick Mohammed, who is brilliant in everything, but is fucking yeah. hilarious in this. Nick
2: Mohammed is amazing. I did an event with Nick Mohammed yesterday, and he is oh, so he's, adorable. He's in just it, yeah. so funny,
0: and yeah. there's just something about this show. And I know only about eight people have access to Apple TV Plus because there are about four shows on it. But, but still, I would say you know get apple tv plus get it get it for c first and foremost obviously get it get it for the morning show get it for servant but get it for ted lasso because this show and there's only 10 episodes so far it has been renewed it will be coming back but this show is life-affirming joy and you know i like i say i liked it when we first reviewed it but i don't think i realized how good it was until i watched the rest of the season and i'm not saying terry this will replace the west wing for you it it clearly won't however however (laughs) ted lasso is godly uh Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Well,
1: we did, we did get a lot oh, of. Uh, we did get a lot of shit for not putting it on the mm. list, and I know Boyd um, urged us to revisit it and give it another go. And I, and to that, I say absolutely not. Excellent.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah I, I endorse. I endorse everything you say about it. Yeah, it is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And do you know what the football thing is interesting? Because I, I think it's actually, I think it's very deliberately because one of the criticisms of. Current football is—is its, is its soullessness actually, and that's you know that's not a rare thing for football fans um, to 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 comment on. You know the, the money that's involved in it, the you know there is a there is a, oh you know Premier League particularly highest level elite football is in many people's eyes completely has gone completely down a a, a sickeningly soulless route. So I think this partly what this what Ted Lasso is trying to do. Because it's no accident that they've chosen football, I think, is is say, well, actually, you know, the soul there is a soul to this to this sport and, and there's a kind of lovely thing about it that we are commenting on. We are using that as the basis for this, as you say, incredibly uplifting and yet not not kind of um indulgent, you know, no. uplifting and yet in its way sharp. It has sharpness to it. Particularly. it I think does. Brett Goldstein's character, isn't it? provides yeah, a lot of that. He's really good. He's a, He's a miserable twat for most of the time, in, in a brilliant way. Um, yeah, it is brilliant. I, yeah, I, I've only watched it. I've only watched it um, twice, so I could watch it again as well. But
0: there's a breakup episode of the show that comes about halfway through. Yeah, which is, I mean, it really gets you. Like it's proper, bring a tear to your eye, like gruelling stuff in this comedy. I mean, it's, it's just like I say. It's very. There's a lot of layers to this. There's a lot going on. It's not just giggles around football. It's great. Yeah, yeah, ten lasso. Right, let's move on now to this week's listener question. And this week's question comes to us via Hendia Tetris, because of course it does. And Hendia Tetris asks, what are our favourite original songs from TV shows? So original songs, I guess it has to be written for the show. It can't just be a song that appears in a show. Who would like to kick us off with this one?
2: Uh, Yeah, I can. Um, I think I've, I've got three. Three that are, um, okay. I think I've got the definitive answer. So okay, you gonna... you say them and I will, of course, then perform them on the guitar. That's Oh, excellent. Happening. Oh, That's amazing. <laughs> so two of them are Ricky Gervais related. Of course they are. Uh, and, so at number three, oh. we've got, yeah, David Brent. Sorry, <laughs> we've got David Brent. And I've gone for, I could have gone for Free Love Freeway, which was, which is a brilliant song. So free love, free Roy, which is essentially a kind of pastiche of Bruce Springsteen and that kind of thing, is an amazing tune and song in its own right. And yet, it's funny as well because it's about you know the idea of David bring bringing a Springsteen like character on the open road on the American highway is hilarious. But even funnier, I think, is Paris Nights, which is the song about Princess Diana. Um that he sings and to Dawn in the episode where Dawn's feeling a bit down and she's splitting up with her boyfriend. So he sings her this song about the death of Diana. The lyrics include A rose you never used your thorns, the ones you loved abandon you, your angel face made hearts so warm. You helped the sick, but who helped you? Then rushing through the Paris night, they hounded you, you lost control. We prayed that you would be alright. The news came through, your body cold. And he's singing it to Dawn. <laughs> and she's like, I but I, I was never in a car crash, and not certainly not in paris good night my sweet princess so paris nights is is one then there's of course in extras the david bowie song david bowie little fat man about ricky gervais's character in extras in which david bowie created this song especially for the episode in which he says pathetic little fat man no one's bloody laughing the clown that no one loves that they all just wish he'd die which are the incredibly harsh lyrics about ricky gervais's character in that show and a legendary scene. But I think the best of all, I think the absolute definitive answer is Kendall's rap in Succession. I've heard uh, about this. I have Kendall's heard about this. Kendall's rap in Succession is one of the most brilliant sequences in modern TV history. I think Succession is, you know, I think just, I've just realised Succession kind of is the is the spiritual heir to the West Wing in many oh, ways. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, God, why, why would you say that? Because it's why? so much brilliantly Wing, fun. a show with the greatest human beings on Earth and then Succession, which is a yeah. cavalcade of bellends. Yeah, all right, yeah, apart from it is a cavalcade <laughs> of bellends. It's like, the, yeah, all right, it's West Wing with pure bellendery. But it's as funny and entertaining as the West Wing. And, but, yeah, anyway. But the episode where they're celebrating um, the Patriarch's birthday um, and and... Kendall Roy just does a rap to celebrate his dad's uh, birthday with, and it's performed by Jeremy strong as, as the kind he of troubled, he's the most troubled of all his offspring. And he's a complete nightmare Coke fiend. Um, you know, I won't, I won't spoil it if you've never watched it. And he surprises his dad in this mass gathering in Scotland, in this huge hall um, with hundreds and hundreds of people there. And he, and he performs this rap and Jeremy Strong, I've read all about it, like it, there were no rehearsals. He didn't do. There were no. They didn't rehearse the scene, so the whole cast didn't know what was going to happen. So he arrived with this rap. They knew something was going to happen. He was going to do something. But he created it with Nicholas Patel, the composer. Um, and and it's excruciating, and he performs it completely prop with full full heartedly. This kind of two and a half minute rap. It's absolutely amazing, and it's called L to the OG," and all the lyrics are about his dad. Um, yo, bitches be catty, but the king's my daddy, <laughs> etc. And it's His performance, which is full-throated and amazing and excruciating, everyone's reaction... Um, Kieran Culkin, as his brother says, as he's getting on stage, says, I think he's going to masturbate to a picture of our dad. And stuff like that." <laughs> and they're all like intergenerating and all their facial expressions are incredible. And it's just one of the greatest scenes in recent TV history. And it's actually the rap. It's kind of good in its own demented, excruciating way. And they put it out as a single, I believe, quite like earlier this year or late last year in 2020. So you can get it. I think it's on the official Succession soundtrack on iTunes, et cetera. it is gold, absolute gold. Boy, and I'm surprised I, you didn't uh, throw in one for Lil Dicky. Yeah, Lil Dicky was amazing as well, to be fair, in uh, in that in that show, yes. Dave. From Dave, yeah, that was amazing as well. Yeah, Lil Dicky. Lil Dicky's the character, his yes. rap character in the show. Terry, what are yours, and why
0: is the first one smelly cat?
1: <laughs> so I did not put any friends on there, but I did put a buffy on there, so I've got two. So number two is the exposition song, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, obviously, which is Giles, in a dream, in the bronze. Um, and he sings that amazingly, and as kind of, not dissimilar to, to what Boyd was just saying, it's the very prosaic nature of what he sings, um, uh, in actually I think quite an impressive voice. It's very like 80s power ballads, soft rocky. Um, uh, you know, so there's lines like uh, "I've got to warn Buffy." There's every chance she might be next. And Xander, help Willow, and try not to bleed on my couch. I've just had it steam cleaned. Um, which, if you imagine in a soft rock, slightly <laughs> English accent, um, is very good. And then, actually, my favourite is the one is the one that Boyd rejected, which Sorry. is. Free Love Freeway by David Brent um which is it's amazing I actually watched it again the other week and obviously he's in the um they're on like a, a staff training um, away afternoon just in a separate part of the building and they're all sat around and it's going terribly because obviously um, it always does and David Brent gets the guitar out and, you know, and it, I'm going to do a bit singing and it is like, and actually, is this thing has been used in an advert, boy? Boydie? Yeah, 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 it's on the be,
2: advert for Freeview. It's become yeah, an actual
1: yeah. thing and I think he yeah, actually also yeah. reco- weirdly recorded it with Noel gallagher for a dvd special um yeah. it's like free love on the free love freeway <laughs> what is it the love is free and the freeway is long i got some hot love on the hot love freeway going home because my baby's gone and then gareth tripped in going she's yeah. gone She's doing <laughs> the which is actually the best part because he does it uninvited and thinks they're just jamming yeah. um, and it's brilliant because the lyrics are and as Boyd says it's you know it's dreaming of these kind of massive open highways in America pretty girl on the hood of a Cadillac yeah she's broken down on freeway nine I took a look at her engine started I leave her purring and I roll on by like like some the lyrics are like softball and he obviously <laughs> these are just these american vistas but he's singing it in an office by a donut in reading um uh which is obviously genius and there will be no funnier or greater use of an original song in TV.
2: Yeah, you're right. I think yeah, it is the best, isn't it? I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why. I, I think I was trying to be clever by not picking. But I forgot uh, about the that obvious. one. That
1: is funny though. That is funny. yeah, it's funny.
2: But you're right. The center, the real centerpiece of his musical <laughs> genius was was Free Love Freeway. Yeah,
1: no, it's, such, it's a gr- brilliant
2: tune, isn't it? Oh, a, you know, God. I mean, it, it is it's fantastic. Just, you know,
1: Gareth's like, like classic. that classic. Yeah, that, Gareth that, doing that the lad backing vocals. The office, who's like <laughs> yeah. She's gone. She's gone.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing, yeah. Wow, where to even start? Uh, so so there are a number of songs you'll recall in Game of Thrones. Well, Terry, you won't recall because you never went back and watched it. Um, I'm not, of course, including Ed Sheeran's Hands of Gold, which is a nadir for that show, and we should never speak of that again. But I will throw <laughs> in the Reigns of Castamere, which the Nationals play, I think, over the end credits of that particular episode.
2: The Nationals. And- <laughs> yeah, the Nationals. The <laughs> did Na- I say the Nationals? Yes, Alan. <laughs> 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 it's all very well dismissing Ed Sheeran as uncle. Anyone say the national? I, I like, love the nationals. Me oh, you won't
3: know Terry because you never went back and watched it, so
1: you haven't
0: heard the nationals. <laughs> Did I say that? Oh Christ! All right,
1: fine. <laughs>
0: Oh, God. Oh, God. Right. Which The National sings, not The Nationals, The National sing on the end credits of, I think, that the episode with The Red Wedding. And then Sigur Ross, I think, also performed it at Joffrey's wedding. Uh, so that's a really good one. Uh, side note, and it's not a song, but Light of the Seven from season six is my favorite piece of music from that soundtrack. And it is amazing. But that's not a song so that doesn't count. Um, what else would I choose? I love the, do you remember the bibliotheca rap in Community? the Donde la Biblioteca. That is fucking genius. I love that. Um, With uh, Troy and Abed, that's really, really funny. The whole of Once More With Feeling, which I know is a musical episode therefore kind of doesn't count, but that is just genius from end to end. Does anyone remember the Tongue Tied Red Dwarf video? Do you remember that? Like an episode... (laughs) absolutely serious an episode begins with them all in like
2: red red sequin
0: suits singing tongue-tied on a stage it turns out it's a dream the cat is having a dream but it became it's the end and they released it as a single and i can't quite work out where this I should probably read up on this like did they just decide they wanted to release a single and therefore dropped it in the intro to the episode it's the most peculiar thing um so that's one as well i would also say uh down in the hole in the wire. Now, you would say that's not an original song except season 4's is an original cover of that song, therefore I think it qualifies. But my two, the two that I'm choosing, the two greatest original songs in the history of television are first and foremost All Along the Watchtower and Battlestar Galactica, which is Bear McCreary's kind of like redoing of that, which is genius A because it's an incredible sort of like eastern influenced cover of that song, but also the way it feeds into the soundtrack and it permeates the score throughout the latter part of the season. I won't spoil it for anyone, but a particular season. And then it has a, a, a massive impact on the plot itself. Like It's worked into the fabric of the story. And I think that's absolutely genius, the way they use it narratively. And also the song itself, which I've listened to an awful lot, I think is, uh, is really, really, really good.
2: It's not an original song. Uh, well,
0: no. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a cover. Oh. What are you
2: talking about? Okay, fine. Oh, it's no. an original. It's not
3: an original song,
1: then.
2: Cover
0: of the Literally. song. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Literally. Literally not answering well, <laughs> the question. Fine. Okay. Which, so by that's... the way, but I'm fascinated. Which version do you listen to? You listen to the Bob Dylan version or the um... No, no, the, the one from the show, the Ben oh, Current version. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The oh, one okay. from the, I all actually
0: right. don't like the original particular. No, I, I really I like the say, cover bet, yeah. But no, the greatest, I think we can all agree, was composed by Sonia Belisova and Jonah Ostinelli, and it is toss a coin to your witcher which of course was the absolute masterpiece of the witcher season one now this became a meme it turned up everywhere there are rock covers there are rap covers there are you go on youtube there's a cover for every day of the week it's incredible and what's really funny is when they'd done that song apparently when they first played it back they were they immediately were like yeah this is a banger and they (laughs) knew instantly (laughs) it was gonna become a thing (laughs) like there's a there are mandalorian memes around this like it is so good and genuinely like, like I'm not saying that's the main reason I learned to play the guitar because it isn't but it certainly was up there and it is I have I have ready once I've mastered my chord transitions I am absolutely going to learn how to play Toss a Coin to Your Witcher this is going to happen so uh, that is of course
2: oh the definitive god. answer to that question wow. we hope and the Tetris uh, that that was helpful to you you're going to be walking around your house <laughs> yeah. with a guitar singing Toss a Coin to the Witcher oh my god yes. I feel so for anyone.
0: absolutely 100% <laughs> It's going to be excellent. If you would like your question read out and indeed answered on the Pilot TV podcast, then do send it our way. You can send it via DM to at Pilot TV pod, or you can throw it to me at James C. Dyer on Twitter or Instagram as well, and I will do my best to make a note of it. Right. Time now for a very quick break, but we will be back right after this message from our sponsor. Before we dive headfirst into news, let's welcome this week's guest. She has starred in a raft of great shows, from Butterfly to The Girlfriend Experience and... Brian Fuller's delightful Pushing Daisies but most recently you will know her as DS Marcella Backland star of ITV's excellent Marcella. Uh, Season two of this aired back in February 2018 which was a full three years ago Uh, and while season three aired on Netflix outside the UK last year uh, due to an ongoing legal case actually with parallels to the show the UK release has been delayed until now I jumped on a zoom call with Anna just before Christmas to talk about the show and here's how it went. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, Anna Friot. How are you?
4: I'm very well. I'm looking out of the window and seeing a very beautiful day out there. So um, the world is happy and good.
0: We're, we're coming out the other side of what has been an interesting year. I think it's safe so to say.
4: <laughs> it's horrible
0: and terrible. Are you back to, to filming at this stage, or is it still sort of everything? Um,
4: I'm supposed to go to Stockholm next week, and we're looking at the uh, restrictions that will come along with that. How much I'll have, how long I have to quarantine, but we don't start filming until January, and I'm okay. there. About three or four months, there's a sheet that's been pushed three or four times now. Um, just because all filming seems to start up and then somebody contracts the virus and then they shut it down again. So they decided to wait until after Christmas so everyone doesn't disperse them all in one place and can have have our own bubble. I was able to talk to my friends who are on other shows and they, they said to get ready, it's very, very different. You're wearing masks in between. In between takes or even in rehearsal, so I yeah. don't know how, how one's meant to judge another's face, but it's all um, a learning curve, and it's better to be working than not. It's very funny. I thought last year I missed home so much because I was only here for four weeks, and then this year I've only left the house for four weeks. <laughs> so it's completely <laughs> the other way around.
0: Well, yeah, I suppose it does give you some time to spend, uh, spend some time with the family at home. So.
4: But yeah, I've had me and Grace and I've had lots of time together, which is always a wonderful, wonderful thing and time for reflection and walks I've managed to do five miles every single day I'm looking off at my house backs onto um the great park in in Windsor which is um, a really beautiful setting but I I think I could draw every detail of it now having <laughs> every day. well
0: you're putting me to shame I move from one room to the other and that's pretty much it it's always bad when your apple watch is like a, you seem to be doing an outdoor walk it's like I'm going to the fridge honestly yeah, exactly. um but we're here to talk about Marcella, and it's very, very exciting to have this show back. So it's been off our screens, or will be by the time it comes out, for nearly three years. Really? Uh, no, it's America-
4: can't. It can't be. It the was team. 2018,
0: wasn't it? Series two was 2018. And I remember this because it dropped when we were doing our very first episode of this podcast. So Really? It's been a while. Yeah. Oh my God.
4: Have well, we shot it last year? Well, the delay, it's been on in 34 countries. Um... <laughs> Uh, about about a year ago, apart from ours, because of the court case that was going on. um, There's a few scenes at the beginning of the series that don't continue um, throughout throughout the series, but they're very, very similar to um, the court case with the the refugees that um, unfortunately died in the the lorry that was being taken um, over to Belfast. uh, And yeah, that was very, very compromised and uh, it, it prejudiced the jury, so they had to veer away from that.
0: Interesting. I didn't realise that was the reason. Actually, I, I wondered if it was a licensing thing between ITV and it was, a, it, was, so. a,
4: it, was a, it was a human trafficking storyline in the first episode. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, it's the, it was the horrific incident in Essex.
3: The After
4: it was yeah. written a year before that.
0: Yeah. And it's just, yeah, just
4: similarity. Just Unfortunate with, timing. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So that's why it's, it's been delayed. But you've got it in January. I we have. have we have finally.
0: Um, but before we talk about season three, I wanted to jump to the end of series two. So as we said, I think the final episode of series two was probably one of the biggest what the fuck moments of any show I can kind of remember. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've never been more in need of jumping on Twitter and saying, you know, what just happened? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, what, did, what did you think when you first read that scene in the bathroom and then the final one under the bridge?
4: Um... Well, it wasn't written immediately. That was they were continually written as the series went on, and I knew that we needed something drastic and dramatic. And I knew where the series three was headed. It was ha- how it was to bridge that, how we're going to mm. get from two to three, and it just grew. I think just following the stories, like, it, she uh, it, it was pretty shocking, wasn't it? She wanted yeah. to get, she wanted to destroy herself and get rid of herself um, and and reinvent herself, and she wanted to, to destroy the image that she saw looking back in the mirror, cutting off all her hair, losing the hem and. Slice in her face. <laughs> have you seen
0: any of, of season three? I have. I have been lucky enough to see it. It was very, very exciting. Uh, and a very big change a kind of in, in terms of obviously setting and obviously tone, because it's, it's you know, it's embedded with uh, the Maguire household in, in Belfast, which is a long way from, you know, catching serial killers and pedophiles for the Met. You know, it's a big old shift.
4: Yeah, it is. Well, first of all, she's blonde. Um, yeah. And uh, we jump ahead a little bit, I think, by... I think it was about a year after she did, would have seen her in the tunnel. So mm. there's a time lapse what we do in episode six. Go back to the tunnel to show exactly what happened in real time. So that, that that's an interesting episode. It's so hard to talk about a show when I made it so long ago, and like, <laughs> and, and and people over the all over the world have watched. Um, have watched season three and then gone back to watch one and two
0: that moment sort of at the end of season two. I think what, what I like about Marcello so much is that so many shows you get, especially with long running network shows, they'll reinvent themselves when they feel they're getting a bit stale, you know, when the formula is getting a little bit tight. But Marcello is a show that never, ever stands still. It seems to be constantly changing and evolving and reinventing itself, you know, from <laughs> series one to series two and now massively from series three. I mean, is that, you know, is that great for you as an actor? Does it keep you on your toes?
4: Yeah. Uh- well, having a really good characters playing great storylines, yeah, I'd hopefully don't want to be in a show that goes stale. And I think that they it was intended to make it, um, as a, a three-parter mm-hmm. or three series that was always in Hans Rosenfeld's mind. But, um, it's, it's stale would not be, um, a word I would associate with fellow. <laughs> it is always on the move and keeps you on the edge of your seat. I'm just, yeah. I, I, you, you've really thrown me by saying the three years, I'm completely shocked by that.
0: We live in a world now where time has no meaning. So it's all just one big vortex of the same day.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Everybody should be made to watch Groundhog Day. I love that movie. Yeah, we're all living in real now. life. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> but what I mean, what was it like changing, you know, the setting to Belfast and having what is essentially, you know, with a couple of exceptions, a whole new cast to work with as well?
4: Well, I missed my cast, first of all. It was yeah. wonderful when Ray arrived, who's the only lead character from the other series that... Um, enters into three. Yeah, um, But it was it also exciting. I got to go home. We had a, a wonderful Irish crew and cast. Um, and it is a reinvention of her and the series. Like, my daughter came with me and went to school in Northern Ireland at a wonderful school called Straffan. Um I was surrounded by my family. There was no police station. I missed that. I missed the views <laughs> of, the of that police station. But uh, it, we, we had some incredible locations. So mm. it was... I, I embrace change. It stops it from going stale.
0: It must be much more fun when things are evolving and changing. But then, you know, I think what, what, what really excited me about this when it comes in is you have the big ending at the end of series two and then series, of series three drops you in with almost no preamble. Like It's very much like right in the middle of it. There's no, right, this is the investigation. This is what we're going to do. You're, you're already in the thick of it when we join the action.
4: Yes, um, and like I said, when we get to six, we'll you'll t- we'll, you'll go back and see that missing part. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's it's still as layered and it's three dimensional, um, mm. but uh, it's not quite as complex as as, as perhaps the other one because it's not about a who done it. It's not about that's the biggest difference with this. It's not who's the killer. It's who mm. are the bad people. It's more about a series of redemption. Yeah. And uh, we get to see a very blonde Marcella, don't we? <laughs> you do, she's very different. I mean, how do you... Well, she's not. She's, she's, she's not Marcella. Is, it's Kira. Well, exactly. Kind of characters. And she's trying to denounce and get rid of Marcella. Yeah. Um, and is undercover as a, a woman we get to know and become familiar with called Kira. And um, it's... We watched her disintegration to a certain extent as um, Marcella keeps weaving her way back in. You can mm. start again, but you can't get rid of the person that, that you are, she discovers. So we, we take the, all the things of mental health um, very seriously and, I, should, I guess the lesson is you can't really escape yourself. You have to just deal with it.
0: It's that that Russian doll aspect of it. I mean, how does that work when you're, you know, when you're doing the character? Because it's not, it's not that it's because uh, it's obviously Anna playing Marcella, playing Kira, but Marcella's is almost not so much playing Kira as becoming Kira and then trying to suppress that like, There's a lot of a lot of bits to keep moving.
4: Well, especially because we don't. Um... Shoot in sequence. Like uh, we normally on the other seasons you have three blocks, so you do episode one to three, and that be mm. finished. and then four, five, six, and then seven and eight. Whereas this one, we did one and two, and then we block shot six episodes. So wow. I think I'm coming in in the morning and doing episode four, scene nineteen, and by in the, the afternoon I'm doing episode eight, scene four. So <laughs> tracking two characters and thinking, okay, or we'll, we'll know this amount of of uh, of, of history and relearn this that was quite was quite difficult to, tr- to track that yeah um, it, kept me on, it kept me on my toes when you're playing
0: a character like that I mean I don't are you able to to, to switch it off at the end of the day you take Marcella home with you because I imagine she's quite intense company
4: I take the learning lines with home with me <laughs> but like I said I had my daughter with me and you don't she doesn't want to see Marcella she wants to see Mommy. No. <laughs> so that's that's a, good, a, a quick shop shock to the system of thinking right let that go but you have to learn your lines I um executive produced this series mm. so that there was a lot more on my plate and a lot more to contend with um I don't think it's until you stop doing it at the end of the series that's when I, I flag and it suddenly all hits me you keep mm. going on, a, on adrenaline um and, and it takes so much focus and concentration that you don't Like I said, you don't stop until it's all done. And then I, then I clapped a little bit, but I I had two weeks between that and then the next movie I was going to, so I didn't really have time to to dwell or feel sorry for myself. But she's not, it's not a character that smiles a lot. No, no, she's not a laugh riot. But you also know that it's a gift of a character, so you try not to complain and, and, and be grateful for her.
0: Yeah, she, but she's interesting in that way because she is quite, you know, abrasive and direct. And I think Hans has said, not the instantly the most accessible character, but from the very first episode of the first series, she's incredibly compelling and layered and complicated. And I and I would say pretty much unlike any character I think I've really ever seen in a show before. I mean, was that obvious to you from the minute you saw the part? Like, did it jump off the page?
4: Well, first of all, thank you. That's incredibly complimentary. And I'll take that. Thank you. Um Compelling is a, a great word. I think that's what we all aimed for. But she was she very much grew. We didn't really know where she was going to go in season two or, or three. It was just I think it was trying to balance um, the combination of what makes something compelling is her strength and
3: mm.
4: also complete vulnerability. She's so lonely, and and but she's really 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 good at her job. And I think it's you n- never know what she's going to do because she does not she? Doesn't nerve, you know when she fugues out, so she's I think because she's quite dangerous and like, and yes, very, very strong. And she doesn't like to lose, but also incredibly damaged. So, is that what makes mm-hmm. her compelling, perhaps?
0: Well, yeah, because it's, it's the darkness and it's the layers and it's the unpredictability. I think it's all those things. And and because her breakdown's kind of been at the heart of the show from the beginning, you know, you often get detectives who are kind of having inner, inner demons. I think alcohol, alcoholism is, you know, almost a requirement in this genre sometimes. But but there's something about her, you know, the dissociative fugue states and her wrestling with her identity that really kind of stands out. I mean, it, did you have to dig into all that, you know, how how those things work?
4: I think... So I nearly pulled out before we started on season one, just thinking, I don't know if I can offer something new or different. So many people have done it so brilliantly. I didn't know what I could offer, and the director said, well, so I, think, I think we should just make her a little bit rock and roll. I think that she really <laughs> loves her music, and that kind of it helps us learn how she moved and walked, and the fact that she'd been hurt. She She's a little bit tomboyish, um, uh, she doesn't show her cleavage or exaggerate the the curves of her breasts because yeah. her husband's left her, so she doesn't feel particularly attractive. Yeah. She's created her own world and her own style, so it, it gives her a uniqueness, I guess.
0: She has a she has a strength about her, not just a like an emotional strength. She has a you know, like a real presence. And I think especially in the role of Kira, like she has a palpable sense of danger about her Like She feels quite intimidating. I think Hans yeah. mentioned this, that he likes the idea that you're not a physically imposing actor, but you can be absolutely terrifying in this character. I mean, how do you bring that sense of menace to her? Like, where does that come
4: from? Um, I think <laughs> focus. Um, I don't know. What, what is it? She, she may be small, but she's fierce. Is that, is that Hermia? It's not about size, it's what you can do with
0: it. <laughs> yeah, because there's that moment when you confront the the drug dealer in the alleyway and it's just like, you genuinely believe she could kill him. Like, it's quite, you know, it's full on.
4: I think if you take fear away, she's, she's, she's lost so much. So if you, if you take fear out of the equation and you've got nothing to lose, then that is quite scary.
0: And she, I think she's been to incredibly dark places because the whole Juliet thing, which we, was brilliantly teased out through, through Series 1 and then Series 2, and I think the most obvious thing you know, from a plot point, you'd think, okay, she'll confront the fact that she was responsible for Juliet's death, and there will be some kind of healing in that knowing, and she would maybe find a way to live with it. But of course, we get the opposite of that, where it fractures her completely, uh, and causes a a, a complete break. I mean, for for you as an actress, is being able to go to those kind of places kind of a gift?
4: Yes, because it's an extraordinary character to play, and you can never get bored and to make that believable you kind of have to live it a little bit Yeah. Um, she's certainly not a surface character it is it's, it's a it's a it's a gift of a part it's uh, um i'm incredibly grateful to to hans and nicola larder for creating her and i hope um i gave the life that she deserved
0: yeah no definitely and hans used to write the the scripts in swedish originally for series one i read
4: yeah, Perhaps it was the first time they'd done a Scandinavian and said, well, "Write it as you would if it was set, but set it in London, and, and then it would be translated." That's so <laughs> the first time that had ever been done, and and he loved um, London. It's amazing to think. It's, I think it was five years ago we did season one, and how London's skyline has changed so dramatically. Because mm. fans would say, "There's so many cranes." I said, what, "What? What? What? What did you first see when you came to London?" He said, "Just the cranes. You have so many." And it wasn't until he pointed that out I thought, yes, there is a lot of construction going on. And if you look out the police window, if I went exactly to that, to that, going over the Hammersmith, Hammersmith flyover on the A40. Mm. Um, I look, I, I can't go past that building without see in her office and then I I went up to that that same window now I see a very very different London so it's nice that we've we've captured that
0: I mean obviously moved away from that for for this most recent series but
4: do do you think now you get to see the skyline of of Belfast Belfast
0: I mean is there has there been talk of a a series four is it is it just keeping the the door Uh, open not not
4: not right now I think Hans is writing a book um I start a new job called The Box in Sweden in January um Mm. I think let's see how the British how the British audience uh, respond to it. It's, it's it's done so well all over the world and got new new viewers now. Like I said, who had not watched one two. Um, it's got a really a kind of cool cult following. Um, mm. I don't know is the answer to that. As the long and short, I don't know. But I'd like to see Marcella meet Luther.
0: Oh God, them. that's a crossover.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've really done crossovers in superhero movies, but I, I think that would be quite cool. Please make that happen. I think mean, that'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah. One thing I did want
0: to ask you very, very quickly before before you go is I, I was a huge Pushing Daisies fan uh, uh, back in the day. Uh, yeah. And I, I was watching some of that recently because we, we did a piece on it in the magazine. Uh, and it's just it's such a unique show. Just like there's never been anything quite like that show. Like, do you, do you still look on, back on that fondly? I,
4: I think it's been copied quite a lot. I think it was groundbreaking and I think it was ahead of its time. And I was surrounded by the best team Um I knew it was special when we were making it, and it was a joy to to, to make. Living in Los Angeles for mm. two and a half years and driving to the Warner Brothers studio it was really the American dream—and also playing um, a character that was so happy. <laughs> you think that that would that wouldn't be a chore, and it would be a dream, but it it's, it, it is is actually quite quite challenging because <laughs> she's always she'll find the positive in absolutely every single scenario, and she's always smiling. Um, <laughs> And it, and it makes you smile. Um, but it was it was a, a wonderful Barry um, Sonnenfeld, uh, our director, and, and Brian Fuller. And Lee, um, Lee called me the other day. Actually, we're going to try and get together soon, I, or as soon as the lockdown finishes. Uh, I had a wonderful lead man in, in Lee. Yeah. Um, and just the bright colours and the wonderful costumes. And again, I mean, it, right now not being able to touch. <laughs> I mean, <this laughs> is- King film. you're living pushing days was that show telling us something (laughs) by any
0: chance Uh, the thing that sticks with me most from that show was always the narrator I kind of I want that narrator narrating my life
4: yeah Jim What was it Jim Dooley I think he's called wonderful voice yeah it, it, they, I think they, yeah, if, if there's ever an example of how to do narration it's him <laughs> and the pie hole love it yeah. and Kristen Chenoweth as well oh uh, come on and well that's well, there's, that's there's a great example of someone uh, big strong things can come in tiny packages <laughs> that incredible voice and, yeah. and they get so positive and wonderful I, I liked working with her very much Such an and, the, and the ants as well Ellen, Ellen. The Little yeah. Shop of Horrors. Did you remember that? Yeah. She played Audrey. I remember she got um, for Gracie's uh, Gracie's second birthday. She'd come to visit me on the set and we're in the trailer and Ellen dressed her up as Audrey. Oh, amazing. And <laughs> yeah, put the little blonde wig. <laughs> I found those pictures the other day. Oh, that's so cool. That's so yeah. cool.
0: Uh, w- one thing we have we have been asking everyone is is obviously it's been a year. Everyone's been at home. It's been a lot of lockdown. What have been your go to TV shows while you have been stuck at home?
4: What hasn't been my go to TV show? <laughs> It was fun. In the first lockdown, for some reason, maybe because it was such beautiful weather and I just wanted to appreciate and get out in nature all the time. I didn't really watch that much television, but this one, I've watched too much to the point that I have <laughs> not do any glasses. Um, I am absolutely astounded by the level of uh, performances that uh, this new younger generation is, is bringing um, to the screens that the, just, uh, The Queen's Gambit.
3: Mm, so I, good. I
4: relished and devoured in two days. I just thought that every single part of it worked so beautifully. I've just finished My Brilliant Friend. Have you yep, seen yep. that? How wonderful is that? I really, I, I really, that really moved me. I liked that very much. What else have I watched? What I, have. I started watching Kingdom. Someone recommended that and I thought cage fighting. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good show. Yeah, it, was just, it was just, yeah. I started watching that the other day. Um, they might have met the
0: Last Kingdom, which is also very good.
4: I, ha- I haven't seen that, but I want to. And I'm, I'm holding uh, Succession. That's in. Uh, I'm, yes. One of the few that haven't seen that, and I've yeah. never seen an episode of Game of Thrones either.
0: Oh, oh well, that keep you busy. There's a lot of that. I,
4: I, there's a lot. Of, there's lots of that, and I uh, and, and I on episode five of season four of The Crown. Ah uh,
0: yes, yes. We've been talking about that a lot recently. Actually.
4: I am sure you have, <laughs> and all the documentaries that go with it. But for me, um, everything to do with space. Ray was in uh, Ray Panthaki, who, who plays Rav in the series. Did a series called Away. So I, I watched yes. that with Hilary Swank, and then. But then it was it's all been uh, space documentaries because so, it just it gives wonderful perspective and, and calmed me for some reason. I think realizing how insignificant we are. <laughs> compared to the whole universe it, it gave me just a very very different perspective and i found it calming and comforting the perfect antidote like, wow, to 2020 that's that station <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> if Fantastic. Can do that,
4: we can survive lockdown
0: absolutely we'll get through it and i yeah. thank you so much for your time this morning it's very much appreciated
4: thank you very much for having me
0: <laughs> thanks a lot have a great day that was anna friel and time now for this week's news who wants to kick us off with this
1: I want to kick off with something confusing. Well, something that confused me. So we are doing a show this week called Resident Alien, starring Alan Tudyk. And as part of that, I was reading all the show notes on um, the FX website and all of this. And it was talking about how he was, the next thing he was going to be doing was the um, Cassian Andor story, which is obviously, I think now, just called uh, Star Wars Andor. Um, but... When, and he was at D23, which is Disney's big expo where they look at upcoming things. So I was a little bit confused to read a story on the Empire website saying he won't be in it or that yeah. he won't at least be in the first season. Explain yeah. this to me, James.
0: He's not going to be in the first season.
1: But, but <laughs> he is, he is going to be in it. If, but he has to be in it, right? Because why else? Why, why? Okay. Why take an actor to D23 to your big expo he clearly thought cuz it literally says in these press notes this is what he's going to be doing next why would you not have him in the first season is it a timeline thing
0: i suspect it's a timeline thing this this i mean look i i i don't want to second guess disney plus they seem to know what they're doing uh, cassian andor or cassian either or whatever you want to call him mm. is the world's most vanilla star wars character who absolutely no one wants to know anything more about now i would argue that k2so was the best part of him like him that you know slightly evil former interrogation droid or whatever he is like he's 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 loads of fun and he's the best part of sort of andor's little gang and not having him at the beginning seems like a big problem because andor himself just is so bland i just don't know what the draw is without k2so like k2so is why i would watch this series
1: that's what i you see that's where my confusion came from is yeah in in a period of star wars that wasn't entirely loved by entirely everybody k2so was the one thing that people actually seemed to uh come around and there was levity and a lot of that makes and then it just seems bonkers to me to to not have that because that's your that's that's going to pull people in from the first season, as you said. I wouldn't yeah. like to second guess narratively what why and wherefore, but it just seems like a yeah, it seems an unusual to do things like have having at D twenty three and but that I think that just speaks to the fact that K two S O was such a massive fan favorite mm-hmm. as well.
0: The only thing I would say is that the people involved in these Disney shows have had their pants on fire on a number of occasions and actively, you know, sown misinformation about their involvement in shows. Uh, CF, Tatiana Maslani, and She Hulk. But. Um, In this case, I'm inclined to believe him because he's quite specific. Mm. Like the actual quote he says, he says, I'm going to be in the show. It's just that Tony Guroy is telling a story that doesn't involve K2SO K2SO until later on. And then he says, I can't be too specific, but I can definitely say I'm not going to be in the first season.
1: that's quite
0: specific. (laughs) Yeah, so he's not being vague about (laughs) this. He's very clear. Now, it could be that actually for plot reasons, they just don't want you to know that he's coming in the first season. But this seems like, I mean... And
1: he's probably ruined it by telling the world's press.
0: I don't know. We'll 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 wait and see whether Cassian either or is entertaining. Ooh but there has been better news there's been better news than that Terry yeah. so better than even Star Wars is that Tales of Dunk and Egg are coming to HBO how excited are you about that and no it is not about having boiled egg and soldiers
1: what is it James?
0: Uh, Tales of Dunk and Egg are kind of it's almost like another prequel show to Game of Thrones so I've actually read Jesus. all three of the Dunk and Egg novellas you won't be surprised to hear uh, and they are The Adventures of Sir Duncan the Tall who was uh, this, before he was a knight of the King's went back when he was a hedge knight and, uh, and Egg who is the his young squire, squire who grows up to be uh, aegon targaryen the king, so um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's him sort of romping around, going in adventures, being a hedge knight. This I think it's the hedge knight, the swan sword, and I can't remember the name of the third story. Did you say but, romping uh, great. around? Romping around, <laughs> yes, romping around with swords, Terry. There's a lot of that going on. But Dunk and Egg, uh, and it's really good. And despite its title, it is not in any way comedic. Oh. So is it George R. R. Martin wrote it? Yeah, it's George R. R. Martin. Yeah, so he writes the Dunk right. and Egg ones. Frankly, when he should be finishing the main story, but he's Blimey. written three kind of little sort of short novellas uh, about these two characters, and they and they're great they are really good so uh, I think this Mm -hmm. is a really fun thing to do and it's kind of like a sort of like a buddy imagine a kind of like a buddy road trip type thing where it's you know Sir Duncan the Tall who's a knight who is you guessed it tall and then Egg his little squire who happens to be a Targaryen heir um, but he shaves his head so they don't see his Targaryen blonde hair
2: it sounds like Monty Python and the uh, in the Search for the Holy Grail. Right? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't imagine that will be the tone they go for.
0: But yeah. uh, yes, yeah. I am psyched about this. It's so good. very good.
2: Um, th- the least surprising news of, of the year was announced yesterday as we we're recording this on Friday, which is that Bridgerton is officially mm. commissioned yeah. for a second season. Um, it has been a massive, by all accounts, success for Netflix. I think 62 60, million. Yeah, 60 odd million. Yeah.
1: But th- yeah. this is there. They're debatable viewing yeah, yeah, yeah. metric, are Yeah, they're dodgy. Right?
2: They're dodgy. Yeah. You're right, yeah. They're do- I think that means that someone has to watch mm. it for about uh, 30 seconds or something, and then it's coming I mean, it, to- it's softcore porn, so that's entirely possible. <laughs> it is softcore porn. Um, but the other thing is the second season, um, they also confirmed, will focus on Lord Anthony Bridgerton's character as played by um, Jonathan Bailey, handsome, hunky Jonathan Bailey, and he's the guy, and he was incredibly harsh to his sister for her uh, love life in throughout season one, but of course his love life is even much, much more illicit, um, and that will be the focus of the second season. Have you two actually finished Bridgerton yet, or even watched no, it? No, I haven't so, started it. I mean, it is brilliantly enjoyable and entertaining, so um, yeah. Based on Bridgerton. the second novel, isn't it, seriously? The Viscount yeah. Who Loved Me. Yeah, but this is now clearly going to go on, because I think she's written eight, nine novels, I think, um, set in this world, so this is, going to be um netflix's you know ongoing thing for for the next decade so as, well as i can make out because it's you know it, people are going to be uh, thirsting for it every I, th- I imagine it's going to be the christmas treat they'll give us every year for the next decade that's my guess about what's happening <laughs> thirsty may well be the uh, additive of choice yes yes um and uh peaky blinders yes well, two bits filming. of peaky
0: blinders news connected news
2: yeah yeah how is it connected it's ending. That was news oh, part see. one. And oh, okay. there's going to be a film, which is <laughs> news part two. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm excited. I'm excited. I like the idea that, they, that he's, he, he's going to finish it with a film. I think that makes yeah. sense. That's a good idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sad to see it ending. Like I love Peaky Blinders. And see, Terry, you, you've only seen that episode so, that we reviewed, know, haven't you? I I loved it.
1: And it's something that I am saving. So um, I, I definitely need something post-West Wing. To immediately focus on, because otherwise I think I'm just going to be um, uh, bereft. So I'm, oh, I'm weighing up a couple of things at the moment, but PP is on my list because I adored that episode we watched.
0: I will, of course, have some recommendations for your list as well, Terry.
2: Yeah, well, that should be next week's question: is 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 what is the contenders for Terry's yes. replacement for The West Wing? I'm open uh, to yeah.
1: suggestions. Anything yeah. that distracts me from my grief. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i you know I, i'm i'm gonna be very sad to see peaky blinders go i'm not I, i'd prefer to see it end with a proper series rather than a movie like that feels like an odd thing but he said stephen i said he'd always planned to end it with a movie yeah. um but you know while i am very sad to see peaky blinders end with season six i do think it makes absolute sense so that he can take time and really focus on ongoing seasons of C.
2: <laughs> you know he Brilliant. has to get his priorities Brilliant. in order and he
0: clearly feel, knows where it's at
2: <laughs> i feel stephen knight owes you a big debt of gratitude because you're the only person <laughs> in the world that is championing c okay. in apart from even maybe even including apple tv plus i don't know i um, mean there's
0: irony here having a show called c and no one watches it but still yeah yeah
2: it's massive. is he even coming back oh it is isn't it I yes, he yeah, yes. Okay. All right. okay. I'm counting down the days
1: <laughs> he, no he really really is
2: <laughs> he is I know I
0: know it's brilliant who can spend too much time away from Baba Voss and Tamakti Jun
1: <laughs> oh
2: god it's the smart oh <laughs> <laughs> all, I remember, all i remember about c is that poor that woman masturbating in the middle yes. of it. oh my yes, god that is a memorable moment it can <laughs> be said <laughs> but it's uh, you it's have to kick Stephen light it. he's a bold he's a bold writer of tv yeah. you have to hand him it, he hand certainly it is him. that i'm excited about a a uh, documentary series on channel five have you heard about this adrian dunbar um, of Line of Duty yes. Legend is I. this is a brilliant thing where basically Channel 5 have noticed that he keeps saying things like, I'm going to float up the lagoon without a bubble. And no. they've turned that into a documentary <laughs> where he goes to island it... and floats up the lagoon No! You're kidding? Yes. No! Hang on, Aegean, Aegean, This, this Aegean, is a spoof. No. I don't believe No, it's real. It's real. Aegean, Dunbar's Monkey coastal tennis. island.
0: <laughs> Ted Hastings floats up the lagon on a bubble.
2: That's what this show is. Ted uh, Ted Hastings, Adrian Dunbar's (laughs) Coastal Island is happening on Thursday the 4th of February on Channel 5. (sighs) Wow,
0: that is perhaps the greatest thing ever commissioned. Is that where
1: we are? Is that where we are? Are we going through people's catchphrases and seeing if we can actually make a show out of them? Is that a catchphrase
0: or a tagline? If Torville and Dean (laughs) can skate on thin ice, I think Ted Hastings can float up the lagoon on a bubble. Exactly,
2: yeah. And Adrian (laughs) Dunbar is an adorable um, guy and I can't wait to see him having a lovely old time in Ireland. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Walking around the coast and going down rivers. For that channel five. sounds amazing.
0: I must say it. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, oh, and here's, here's a thought, though. For those people who are among the faithful watching C, Apple TV Plus has extended its free trial thing. You know, like it, they, everyone got a free trial when they bought an iPhone when it first launched, and then they extended it because of COVID by a few months. It's now been extended to July. So wow. people are getting, you know, a whole load of extra time to catch up on C, which is, you know, <laughs> which is good. Well, it's probably good because uh, Netflix has gone up, a, not, it's gone up
1: yeah. recently, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, nine, nine. I pay for one, um, one screen. Although me and my uh, boyfriend, now we've had a child together, we've been talking about whether we should. Uh join our subscriptions we both still have our single people subscriptions Why? for everything we have two now tvs two netflix two That's, amazon prime
0: oh my god you give me anxiety um, what is wrong with you because
1: we've we had a talk when i was pregnant we talked about giving them up and having a joint one but we couldn't quite face the commitment so we never did it um you have a child I, <laughs> I, know, I think that ship has fucking sailed know, but we see, it is funny it's, it's like mm, yeah but what if anything happens uh so <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, let's not worry about <laughs> poor baby Emlyn. but god help us if we don't have like separate netflix subscriptions That's
1: brilliant. Mind, it's 9.99 and then it's 12.99 i think if you have up to four screens which is also
0: you want the eight yeah but it's like, isn't it, like 14.99 oh, yeah. if you yeah. want 4k yeah, which is yeah, not yeah, when yeah.
1: you think you know i think with, when i first signed up for netflix it was 5.99 um like hundred years ago um
2: back in 80s, it, but, in 80s but-,
1: <laughs>
2: but they also they also crossed 200 million this this week yeah. didn't they um in subscribers so i mean the fucking I, apparently they still owe like 13 14 billion to someone but i mean sure. they're, that's they're, just they're the fucking in it. That's just the
3: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah and the witcher yeah, probably. yeah, yeah probably the it. witcher. they'll get it all back royalties from
0: toss a coin to your witcher mark my words it's a banger yeah mm-hmm. it's something yeah and speaking of Netflix, Snowpiercer's got an early Season 3 renewal ahead of Season 2, which actually debuts on Netflix this week, but they didn't make it available for us to see, so we have not reviewed it. But uh, Snowpiercer does
2: return, uh, and will return again. Because it's really a TNT show, isn't it, in America? It is a TNT it's, it's, show. It's an acquisition, yes. really, by yeah, Netflix. It's, it's one, of their own, one of their only shows that is weekly. It, it'll arrive every Tuesday. Um, you, won't, you don't get it all in one go. Yeah, um, because it's a TNT show. Yeah,
0: right. What else has happened in the world? So, uh, you, you know, CBS All Access—the catchy rolls off the tongue—CBS All Access <laughs> will be Paramount Plus uh, when it relaunches. So that's uh, that's on the verge of a rebrand. So I think it's in March it starts rolling out. In March they're rebranding, uh, but they've got a few things in but the what, in pi- this country. Yes, in this the- country. We don't have it over here. Like, no, so we exactly, don't have it. Yeah. Over here. So
2: what what difference does it make to us? <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm getting to the point. Okay. I'm getting there. <laughs> okay. I'm getting there. So in addition to rebranding with a different name, uh, they've revealed a few of the things they've got in development. There's a new spy drama series called Lioness, which comes from Taylor Sheridan, who did Yellowstone, which is supposed to be really good, and I still haven't watched that, and I need to. Um, and there's a mini-series uh, called The Offer, which is around the making of The Godfather. Oh, yeah, that Which looks is, brilliant. Ooh. Yeah. Which is an interesting one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, I see. Yeah, it's not fucking laughing matter yeah. now. Paramount Plus now. It. Uh, see, so you still can't get it. You still can't get it, yeah, obviously. I'm sure it'll come somewhere else. Um, But, yeah, so that's happening. What else is yep. happening? Ethan Hawke has been uh, has been cast as the main villain in the Moon Knight series. So That one's uh, you know with Oscar Isaac, so that one's getting uh, that one's getting better people by the day, which is pretty cool. Also, Dungeons and Dragons. Ter, I know you're a big uh, Dungeons and Dragons fan, being you know a weekend dungeon master yourself. Um, that <laughs> is obviously there's a film coming, I think in 2022, but a series is now going ahead. And Derek Kolstad, the writer of John Wick, uh, is at the helm for that one. He's going to be he's going to be writing the script for that. So that's. Uh, uh, that's exciting have you i uh, would that, would you uh would you uh roll a d20 for that terry
1: probably a d22
0: sure um what else is happening this week okay so here's the thing so kantamir balagov <laughs> you want to be familiar what
3: with. who
0: <laughs> <laughs> is going to direct the pilot for The Last of Us TV channel. Now I mention this not because uh, Kantemir Balagov is someone that you necessarily care about, uh <laughs> but the fact that it gives me the opportunity to talk about The Last of Us TV show, uh which Craig Mazin who did Chernobyl is behind and he's a massive Last of Us fan and of all TV shows currently in development, this is the one I am most excited about. Like I would I would if, if, if everyone said, right, all TV is cancelled for the next five years, you can only have one, this would be my pick. I am so down for this show. I can't even tell you. um And it's, well, it's not close to coming here yet, but he's going to direct the pilot and yay.
3: Mm. Exciting. Is it Any other news? Is it yes, it is, Terry. Yes, it is. <laughs> is
0: it no, have I exhausted <laughs> news? Did I kill news with that one? Did Cantomir Balagot sell us out of it news? Gone. It's not been
1: the. You know newsiest week i'd say oh, that's quite a lot of
0: stuff there it's, yes you know, yeah. corporate lot, rebranding yeah. what's more exciting news than that <laughs> anyway let's leave news behind us and move on then to this week's reviews and we begin reviews this week with the triumphant return of marcella now I discovered this show when we were making the very first issue of Pilot TV Magazine back in 2018. It was just as Series 2 came out. I watched Series 1 and I was just like, oh my god, where has this TV show been (laughs) all my life? It's so fucking good. Now, it has been a long old wait since then, but the show does finally make its way back to ITV this week. Um, You've heard a little bit about Season 3 already from Marcella herself, uh, but those familiar with the show will know this comes to us from the bridge creator, Hans Rosenfeld, and it stars Anna Frill as Marcella Backland. She's a former DS who takes time out from the force to raise her family but comes back to active duty after her marriage breaks down to pick up an old case now what sets Marcella apart is that she suffers from a dissociative disorder that causes blackouts and so for much of that first season it's unclear if she's actually the hero or the villain and series 2 ends with one of the most batshit finales I could ever remember seeing where Marcella and this is a minor spoiler so skip forward 10 seconds if you haven't seen it in which Marcella carves up her own face with a pair of scissors and goes to live (laughs) under a bridge because of course she does (laughs) it's amazing Uh, now season 3 picks up some months later with marcella having faked her own death and got on a special undercover assignment embedding herself within a crime family in belfast boyd how psyched are you about marcella's return
2: i'm very sucked i've been waiting as you say i've been waiting a long time for this because weirdly so it's airs, airs on netflix doesn't it um, yes it's certainly in it, america much the world. Yeah. and it will and come to netflix it, here as well mm. right they got it months and months and months ago but itv get it first itv yeah um uh, and so we waited for ages. And I love, I was a big fan of the first two series of Marcello. I think of, of the many, many um, ITV crime shows, and there are many, mm-hmm. um, I think Marcello was the one that felt nothing like an ITV Show, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like we often say, slightly disparagingly, I think perhaps sometimes slightly unfairly that there's a kind of quite a you know mainstream mm. formulaic way of making a, a, a big primetime mainstream ITV crime show. This is nothing like that, and I think that's partly due to the writing. Yeah, it's there's a Scandi a- Noir, isn't it? Like a yeah, Britain's exactly. Scandi Noir. Yeah. So the whole idea of it was well, let's do a Scandi Noir in London, literally mm. written by one of the masters <laughs> of Scandi Noir, um, and I loved and I loved everything about it. So the fir- but the first two series really both of which. As as you say, they, they, they rested partly upon her having this dissociative disorder, these blackouts. Also, both of them were serial killer Um, stories really the first one I think was a dead case cold case serial killer then the second one was a really sick and twisted killer of children a pedophile and that was like really stretched the boundaries of ITV what ITV does in prime time there was extraordinary if I can use that word extraordinary extraordinary, it (laughs) It was (laughs) amazingly bold stuff and I was quite worried um after the ending of season two, that batshit crazy ending, as you say, what how they were going, what they were going to do? Because I knew they were going to do a considerable kind of reboot, if you like, in terms of do something very different. And they really have, because this is an undercover cop story, and there are many, many undercover cop stories. So it's dealing with really kind of, on one level, fairly obvious tropes and ideas of under, you know, will she get too in deep with this Irish? She's with an Irish crime family. Brilliantly um, uh, led by Amanda Burton, of yes, of Silent Witness fame, who is quite <laughs> scary as the ruthless, horrible matriarch um, ruling over the crime family with her uh, three three adult children and their various partners and lovers, who she kind of rules over them with a with a rod of iron, and she's quite terrifying. And Just the whole idea, the whole idea of an undercover cop, how deep in can they go? Are they going to be affected by the fact that they're surrounded by the crime? Are they going to have to get involved in the crimes themselves? You know, can she and is she still partly, you know, criminal, partly detective? All of that stuff has been done many, many times before. But I have to say, I watched the first two, which go out as a double bill, interestingly, on ITV in one go. And I loved it. I loved the the kind of ambition of it i love the weirdness of it there's a kind of freaky perversity there's a guy watching what's going on on kind of in in a room above marcella when she's kind of illicitly having relations with one of the characters i'm trying not to spoil it that character who's watching her is really weird and freaky himself um played by by the way and i only found this out yesterday um a a an actor who's also a br- a really highly acclaimed writer as well, Michael um, Colgan. Michael Colgan, yeah, and I didn't know that. Did you know that? Well, he's a he's an acclaimed novelist. No, yeah. I actually yeah. didn't. I had absolutely no idea. And he is brilliant in this uh, show. He's always really good, but his character is fantastic. He's got mm. like he's got really weird. Um, he has got OCD. It's like a germaphobe, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. H- high, high, ultra OCD. Mm. Um, proper OCD, maybe, because obviously OCD gets thrown around a lot by people who probably haven't really got OCD. Um, so his character is fascinating and weird and creepy. The situation she's in is fascinating. And even though we've seen this kind of thing many times before, I, I-, I was absolutely gripped. Um, I really want to know how it plays out. and I And I'm fully on board with this kind of uh, quite new route that it's taken I think it's interesting that it has gone down this new route and I think yeah. so far it's working really well and it's, there's a big crime there's a big murder that happens that's connected to what she's doing that is also a really interesting um, storyline because which kind of slightly fortuitously brings back her colleague played by Ray Panthaki is I love now, Ray yeah, Panthaki he's great his character is yeah. great and it just just so happens that he's heading the investigation that's connected <laughs> to the family the Irish crime family <laughs> that she's undercover with so there's, it, it stretches credulity to some extent but yeah. fuck it. I'm on board with it it's really entertaining and fun and sick and twisted it's it's amazing that they did this kind of like complete about turn vault yeah. fast reboot thing.
0: like it's just nuts it's a completely different show but what I love is is the DNA sort of crosses over like it feels like a totally different thing and I love the way they, they, they get you into this where they drop you right in the thick of it there's no build up she is already embedded with them and starts with violence and murder and all sorts of stuff so she's properly in the lion's den from the get go and then as the series progresses, I've seen all of these uh, in advance of the interview that I did with her last year. And... Uh- <laughs> as the series progresses, obviously more of the past and more of, shall we say, the backstory and some of the revelations from the pre- previous season, which were no small thing, do make their way into this. Let's just say it's not quite as straightforward as maybe it first appears. Um, but yeah, it's... it's it's. I, I, I thought season one of this was great. Season two of this was great. And I, like you, I had I had reservations about, you know, doing a completely different type of show. But it works. And it works really, really well. Uh, and actually, Michael Colgan's great in this. I really enjoyed uh, Aaron McCullough in this as Finn as the sort of the more violent one of the Maguire brothers and as you said and and Amanda Burton Brookside alumnus Amanda Burton fellow Brookside alumnus much like Anna Freel herself turns out as the kind of matriarch of this family absolutely chilling in it really really good and I just think the total change of location away from London to Belfast and a totally different vibe to it does make this feel a little bit like a totally different show like there's no Nicholas Pinnock in this like the people that you're generally familiar with, with the exception of Ray Panthaki no one else is in it um and yet and yet it's still overwhelmingly Marcella and I think that I, I you know and you can't really ask for more than that Terry view this feels like Marcella to me always it is a very Terry show well, like did you watch the early one? No.
1: Ones? so um I've tried to start it three times season one episode one it's always something I've never watched and it's one of those things that I've always been convinced I would love as soon as I've watched it and I, I don't know why I, I fell asleep every time I tried to watch it and find it a bit boring. <laughs> and so wow. I just thought, oh fuck it, there's too much good, other good stuff to watch. Now, obviously, when you said we were reviewing it, I thought, oh, I better go and read up on it so I understand a little bit of where we are. And then I'm reading it and I'm like, hang on, this is like me to a T. She's got trauma <laughs> and like she's, you know, obviously have issues. And the last season. As you so uh, correctly surmise, it sounds absolutely fucking mad and clearly ludicrous and none of it really could ever happen, but that's never stopped me. Um, So, but I think I had different expectations because when you were saying about Scandi, I thought this was kind of an upmarket cerebral uh, crime drama with the emphasis on drama and what, i got was a broad a really quite broad crime drama with the emphasis on crime and a bit of acting but it's like <laughs> i mean it is uh, it is out there it is way different than what i thought it'd been i can't tell from what you're saying if it's always been like this or if this is a new it's always been
0: over the top yeah but yeah it's, it's always broad, been over the it's top.
1: broad it's not your um bbc Four, you know uh 50 minute
0: It's ITV, isn't it? But it's but it has got edge. Like it's very very edgy for ITV. Here's the
1: thing, right? So it's it's very violent, very violent, but. We have to acknowledge that it paddles around in those tropes and cliches like a fucking weekend at Blackpool, doesn't it? So she's
3: in disguise
1: with a fake identity. You know this because she is wearing a very bad wig, which is clearly not her hair. Um, When will somebody in a new identity in disguise programme make a good wig or just cut their real hair? Um, There is a fight in which someone literally shouts, leave it.
3: Um,
1: there's <laughs> a scene where a barmaid who is quaking in her boots gets told if you go to the place I'll, this is meant to be an irish accent i'll come and get you amanda burton is a brilliant unsubtle matriarch bitch from hell i mean this is not to say i didn't enjoy it but i mean it is um, it is heavy on uh, violence, it is heavy on blood, it is heavy on cliché, um, it does not do anything subtly, there are shocking moments, there's one moment where I jumped out my skin, um, uh, she does that kind of woman very well, Anna Friel, in terms of it being a somebody who is really, um, really troubled, obviously has trauma, um the dissociative thing is is not a massive element of the first episode but there's obviously real flashes to what's happened before um this has actually made me cons- reconsider going back and starting it again um but yeah it is I, I suppose i just i wasn't expecting this and i think i first um was viewing it on netflix which in my head made it a different thing but i think to your point there is an ITV-ness about this, which I'm not using as... Pe- well, I am using it as a pejorative, but
3: there is, <laughs> a, there is an
1: ITVness about this and in, in, it's broader than I thought it, it, it would be. And it's not particularly, you know intellectually taxing but then it doesn't have to be
0: well see you say that but I would I would argue that point I actually think this is quite a labyrinthine show and if you don't pay attention it's incredibly easy to get lost like seasons one and two there is a fuck ton of stuff going in on see, in those I episodes mean, the
1: episode, I, all I can go on yeah, is the, this, this one is like yeah. paint, this is your paint by numbers crime yeah, family yeah, absolutely
2: know. the intro to this admittedly is quite yeah, straightforward I think, I, I, do you know what I think also Hans Rosenfeld did, did the, the bridge and the bridge actually was massively over the top mm. and often completely in its storytelling. And I think that's what it is. It's that. It's less scandy in, in terms of the style. I mean, I think the first two, the way they shot London in the first two, was, yeah. they were trying to make that, you know, part of the whole kind of um, DNA of the show. It was visually really interesting, the way they shot this. This series, weirdly less so, yeah. I think it's more in the in the kind of craziness of the storytelling, mm. a la The Bridge, because The Bridge was never like the... Like, The Killing, if you like, was the real... Kind of gritty, mm. very realistic. Mm. I think authentic what drama. Whereas the bridge was the much more crazy, yeah. bold one, and that's what it's got. I think in in common with that kind of stuff. This is it, and the first two series were very complicated, as you say. But this one much less so. It is less complicated, I think, because it's because the setup is is the undercover cop thing. So yeah, it's got a different vibe to it, definitely. But it retains the madness, and yeah. that's what I, I love about it is the madness. Yeah.
1: So all I would say is, if you are like me and you thought this was kind of probably a slightly austere sober um scandy it's not that it is you no, know hell for leather yeah. um 200 yeah. miles an hour all guns blazing um which i'm not necessarily saying is a bad thing it actually makes me reconsider yeah. my initial in a book. good way but, yeah so um <laughs> yeah. so yeah so I, I may go back and th- i won't let's be honest um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, i was you gonna could. give it one then but like come on you, no, uh-huh. you, you don't go back and
0: watch anything uh I, I genuinely i think you would i do think you
2: would like this show i think you should give the first season another chance but clearly you're not going to i think uh, that you i think the second you don't have to you could dive into i think the second you'll love more because the second is the really sick and twisted one
0: it is twisted the there's one particular yeah. scene in that which is fucking horrifying yeah. um, can i um, um,
1: could i uh uh, just watch
2: two without watching one yeah 100% one. No, I no, think no, so. no 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 yes, no no, you no, can no,
0: no 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 oh, no totally I don't think you can. can at all no, I think <laughs> I think the first season is key to setting up like what's mm. wrong with her because the thing with what, what works so well is that Marcella is such a great character mm. because like like men like flawed slightly mad men being like genius detectives like they're a dime a dozen they're absolutely everywhere in fact you can't even be a male TV detective unless there's something wrong with you whereas I love the fact that she's this female detective this deeply flawed with this mental disorder and you'll and her perception of reality there's this whole unreliable narrator layer to this where her perception of reality you're not quite sure what you can accept at face value because she has these dissociative blackouts mm. and there's even a point where a character uses the fact that she has blackouts against her um it's yeah it's 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 great stuff she's a great character i love it and of course and it has jamie bamber the cag himself in it <laughs> uh in the earlier seasons as well so you know Anything with Battlestar Galactica DNA
2: is instantly a classic. Keith Allen is in Series 2 and he's fantastic. I love his, his, his character in Series 2.
0: Well, Marcella Season 3 finally, finally turns up on ITV on Tuesday, the 26th of January at 9pm. Now, next week we have resident alien now this is based on the dark horse comic of the same name and stars alan tudyk as an alien visitor who crash lands in an isolated colorado community and befriends the locals while trying to learn their customs in i guess what would have happened if northern exposures dr fleischmann had been a visitor from outer space uh terry what did you think of this
1: one well First things first, I thought this was Resident Evil. So I spent ages <laughs> going, Oh god, I can't believe to watch uh, this bollocks uh, uh, that James <laughs> likes and and then I was like, when there were when there was no like computer games and and shoot 'em ups or whatever the zombies been, I was like, Oh, it's not Resident Evil, it's Resident Alien. Um uh, so as you say, this is a um adaptation of the comic of the same name, the showrunner. And and this is very very relevant and explains so much about the show. The showrunner is Chris Sheridan, who was one of the original Family Guy writers. Um, ended up being exec producer. Uh, this is his first own show. And it's qu- quite hard to characterise this because it's kind of got, as you just kind of mentioned with Northern Exposure, it's got this kind of small-town small drama element to it. Murder mystery, comedy. I'm not going to use the word dramedy because it's not a fucking real word. Drama, <laughs> bit of sci-fi. Um, and it's a weird tonal mix and it's set right from the get-go. It's really clear that this isn't what you might expect it to be because it's not. It's a weird mash of loads of things. The basic story is Alan Tuddick, <laughs> who in my head is always K2S, k K2, S two oh, K2S,
0: Of course, in your head, you mean Wash from Firefly, naturally. <laughs>
1: yeah. Alan Tudyk, who always in my head is K2S, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> It's <laughs> K2SO, right? And he is obviously meant to be an alien, and there is something droidy and otherworldly and weird about him. Anyway, I think I've never met him in real life, but he just you know he's got that kind of face. Um, and the basic setup is he is an alien, obviously. And I have to say, I I was expecting the the work, the CG work, and the rendering of the alien to be pretty shit as it often is in tv i actually found it quite impressive um but he's an alien who his spaceship yes crash lands and he basically has to assume the body of a human being um he assumes the body of a doctor called harry van der spiegel i mean um and then he has to try and find his spaceship which is in all the snow um, in the meantime, he gets, he gets roped into trying, trying to help them solve a local death. And it's really about his relationship with the locals in this little town um, and his kind of quest, I suppose, to become a human. There's, so it's there's loads of fish out of water stuff, as you'd expect. There's a scene in a bar where he gets pissed for the first time. There's an um and the the some of the detail is really fun. He learns to speak by watching Law and Order, um, which <laughs> I greatly enjoyed. And then one of the first things he says is chung chung, which I really um appreciated. Um and it's about him and the relationships he has um with the locals, like um one of the there's a local doctor who's um died, has he been killed or did he commit suicide? The doctor's assistant or colleague, Aster, who's played by Sarah Tomko, she's kind of oh, the human connection bit in there. He develops a friendship and possibly more, maybe not, with her. Um, and I think at the heart of it, it's meant to be. He's got this secret mission on Earth and he starts, there's like profound questions about humanity kind of at the middle of it. But there's also more random stuff and that's where this kind of tonal shift and this um humor comes from so you know uh life questions like are human beings worth saving um and then why do they fold their pizza before eating it and it's the juxtaposition i suppose of the big existential questions and these little random observations about why human beings are weird um so this humour runs throughout the entire thing, as I think you'd expect from Chris Sheridan. Um, and the, the some of the comedy is really to the bone. So there's a, a black sheriff called Big Black, and there's a whole line where he goes, uh, everyone calls me Big Black, and he goes, oh, is that because of your car? And you turn around, there's a big black car. And there's a white, young, liberal mayor who the um black sheriff who is really on pc calls a snowflake and there's and the stuff that is definitely a little bit uncomfortable there's a whole bit where somebody calls him a douchebag and he google images douchebag and you obviously can imagine what he sees um but the tonal shifts don't always work for me and this is i kind of enjoyed this and it wasn't what i was expecting it was quite surprising um and um, Alan Tuddick does the weird, alien, trying to learn to be a human thing incredibly well. Um, but there, there's some really serious stuff in there. So there's a domestic violence storyline in this pilot episode, which is pretty hardcore. Um, and that's the only bit that's fully serious. Everything, there's humour running through everything. It basically undercuts all of the drama. And what I am struggling with is, is that enough to maintain across an entire series? Because it feels like one gag to me. And the gag is, aren't human beings stupid? Aren't human beings pretty much, you know, we're lower than lizards? Um, Aren't some of the stuff we do weird? There's a whole scene where he drinks in the bar, he has a hangover the next day. And he goes, oh, I've got a headache, I've got terrible dehydration. Um, humans must not get affected like this or else why would they carry on drinking? So it's all these observations about about human beings and humanity. Um, but then with these, you know, with these weird, big, serious bits dropped in. And so for me, the drama doesn't punch up enough and the comedies too present are out because none of it really you then take seriously. So I thought it was really sweet in places. I thought a few of the lines were really, really funny. Some of the writing's really sharp. I really like the relationship I described between him um, and Aster, But for me, the, the kind of constant gags undercut the drama. And so then when you try and do a moment of pure drama, for me, it kind of fell flat. And what I can't imagine is because of that set being engaged enough with the story, or the characters to really buy into this for multiple episodes. It feels like one gag to me that's done a lot, and so that balance, that tonal shift from comedy to drama, and then how the two meld, and you've got narration as well in that. It, it, I thought it was slick, and it was cool, and it was funny, and the the renderings were great, and everything. But I just, I'm not convinced that there is enough drama in there to to sustain this as hour long episodes across an entire season.
2: Yeah, I, th- oh my god, I th- I, th- I, 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 I didn't get on with this at all. I thought it was massively tiresome. Right from the right from the off, I mean, first of all, the voiceover is which is relentless.
1: Four months <laughs> earlier, Boyd.
2: Oh, four months oh, earlier. Yes, it did that. I mean, of course, it did that. But then, just <laughs> the general. Just the whole tone of it, I found it smug and trite and not funny. It didn't make the only funny bit, as you say, is when he's learning English from watching Law and Order. That was the one, I think, funny bit for me in the whole, you know, 50 minute show. And as you say, the, I, I found the, the, that shift from smug, twee, trite comedy. Um, you know, as the one joke of what, what would it be if an alien mm. tries to become human? And, the, and, pl- and that one joke, fun of done to death, even during this first episode. Um, and then to bring in the domestic abuse storyline, in a, I found a very, I don't think it earned the right to do that storyline. I just didn't, I, it felt really uncomfortable to me. And, um, you know, I, I just thought it was really... Um, I I just that didn't work at all. And I even don't I really like Alan Tudyk normally. I think he's in one of my favourite ever episodes of Fraser. He's in a brilliant episode of Fraser where he kind of becomes Frasier too and literally steals Fraser's apartment design and it's really funny and he's really charming. I found him really unlikable and annoying and irritating in this. Um I didn't get I didn't like it at all. I really didn't like it. And um Yeah, everything about it annoyed me pretty much.
1: (laughs) I I don't know if I've ever seen you have this stronger reaction to the film.
2: Every now and then, something really annoys me. And this was the one. I couldn't wait for it to finish. I was like, oh, God. You know, it was a slog. It felt like a real slog.
0: See that was the reaction I was expecting from Terry. So I'm a little bit thrown that you had to do high tolerance for it because I am very much in camp Boyd about this. Like this, I, this started. I was like, oh, I hate this with the fire of a thousand suns. Like it's just so fucking irritating. And it, weirdly, as it went on, I hated it less. Uh, and by the end, I was like, I no longer hate this. I just wish it to end and never want to watch it again. But I don't actually want it to die. Um, I just, it's, it's not funny. And as you said, the tone is all over the place. You're not quite sure what it's supposed to be i assume that particular quirky tone comes from the comic book which i have never read and let's be honest never will but um no i didn't i didn't enjoy his kind of his comedic sort of mugging you know that fish out of water i'm an alien i do not understand you crazy human shtick and then to be quite dark and unpleasant in places yeah it's it's just, it's just it's just it's just there's something that just is irritating all the way through it like it's, it's just and Alan Turdick is great is genuinely yeah. very funny actor, but there's something about the show which is just annoying all the way through. You have this base level of just mild irritation, which spikes <laughs> occasionally where you just want to punch someone who's on the screen. And I just and by the end of it, I was just like, "This it, is it's making me angry?" I was like, "I'm not sure,
2: but I know
0: a hundred times no."
2: Reaction. That's so funny. I was really <laughs> angered by it. I have to say, I was like, "I, I, I you know, I was like, "I might have to fast forward it because I can't take much more." I can't take much more. I don't
1: believe I'm the one who has more tolerance to this I thought it was quite, like sweet and like i did i did enjoy him and and there was, it it wrong-footed me quite a lot but i mean the, the the tonal thing is is its biggest problem because the domestic violence yeah. stuff is not a light touch it's pretty mm. full-on um mm. and you feel like you've got because she's a really Aster is a really interesting character, and but but you kind of as you're wading in those waters, suddenly there's a quip about something about you know about being an alien on earth. Um, I and I just don't think I think that I felt like it was fine as one episode. I can't imagine where else you can even take that over 10, 10 episodes or eight episodes mm-hmm. or whatever it would be because it's the same gag over and over again. Um, and I presume the series will look at how humanity can grow maybe, and some of those big moral existential questions they keep asking, um, but I th- yeah, I think it's hard, especially for 50 minutes that's, you know, you need yeah. proper drama in oh there to sustain that
0: it's just, it's just shit northern exposure with kind of a sci-fi bent, and it's just nobody needs that, like who what, what planet, on what pitch meeting did someone think that was a good idea I just, no, no yeah. no, 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 anyway Resident Alien does begin on Sky One on Thursday, January the 28th at 9 p.m. Finally this week, we have Damien, uh, this is an Omen spin off that appears to decanonize Omens 2 and 3 and instead picks up with the Antichrist on his 30th birthday, with him having no memory of his childhood and the, you know, supernatural stuff that happened there, uh, but apparently primed to take over his unholy ministry. Uh, this one actually aired in the US a full five years ago, and you'll be unshocked to hear <laughs> has been cancelled for almost as long. However, however, like the Seven Daggers of Megiddo, uh, it has been unearthed from its ancient burial tomb uh, and the 10 episodes that make up (laughs) this series first and only season are coming to fox uk this week to be preserved for posterity presumably was this series
2: all for you boyd (laughs) I I found this fucking hilarious I have to say but it's not a comedy yeah so I mean there are moments there are moments honestly where you're not sure there's a bit where so he is now this um, world renowned photographer and we're introduced to the beginning you know he's in he's in Iraq Syria I think and he's uh, you know following following civil war and when he gets back to New York his colleague says to him your your work is really good you might even win a Pulitzer and I couldn't work out whether that was supposed to be funny or not I couldn't I genuinely didn't know she taking the piss, or does she, does she really think he's going to win the Pulitzer for his for his photos? Um, he is played by Bradley James, British Bradley James of Merlin fame, who was very um, charming in Merlin, In this he's completely charmless. I mean, he is the, he is the devil, so that's fair enough. I suppose um, he is. So in the in the in the opening, the big opening set piece, which does of course does the three months later thing where he then goes back to new york he's this woman this old woman this in theory terrifying old woman he's not terrifying at all kind of grabs him and he sees flashbacks of his past flashbacks actually using footage yes. from the original omen by omen the way footage. Yeah. yeah karate in, in in you know in Copacai style um which i which one of the most enjoyable things about the whole thing is you get glimpses of the original omen which is i love the omen yeah. by the way one of my yeah. favorite horror films um and uh, then there's a brilliant bit where you see this old woman in lots of different... I mean, I'm trying not to spoil it. It's the Bernie it, meme. It's yeah. the fucking Bernie it's meme. It's like she's a meme in all his photos and it's hilarious. It's so <laughs> funny. It's funny than anything in Resident Alien by a, a long way. Yeah. Um, and then he he kind of... He he's basically slowly finds out that he is Damien from The Omen with 666 on his head. And so it all plays out. And and the, to give credit, I was worried at one point, after about t- 20 minutes of this shit, I mean, is, is it is absolutely terrible. After Act 20, years, I was actually worried, I was enjoying its badness, but I was like, if they're not going to do what the omen did, which is basically have ridiculous deaths happening throughout, where you're kind of waiting to see how this crazy death was going to happen, almost like, you know, like they do in Casualty, where they have like, you have people in a situation, in a, in a clearly a semi lethal situation, you have to work out how the death's going to happen. Then I won't enjoy it. But they did. Then they, they start dropping in these, these deaths at the hands of, um, you know, Damien without him even realizing what he's doing. There's like there's like horrific dogs that aren't that horrific from like they've used the dogs in the original Omen, but the way they're directed in this in this episode they weren't scary at all. Then there's a really ridiculous um, death that I, that I definitely won't spoil that I thought was boldly surprising. Uh, It is absolutely terrible and laughably bad. And Barbara Hershey pops up in the middle of it, just standing there in this posh, I think, private members club. I don't really understand what it was, where he goes to find out some information. And she's like, just happens to be there waiting. And she kind of implies she's been overseeing him for his entire life. And she's brilliantly over the top. Barbara Hershey is like a legend. She's brilliant in Woody Allen films going back years. And she goes completely crazy and over the top, quite rightly. Everyone is kind of terrible in it. The acting, the performances are awful. I mean, Bradley James does all right with his American accent, but I didn't think he was particularly charismatic. I enjoy- I really enjoyed it. I had a really good time. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm going to bother watching the other nine episodes because it is fucking terrible, but <laughs> I enjoyed it.
1: So I am a bit obsessed with this because it's absolutely atrocious. Um, <laughs> I am not anti-trashy devil shit, right? So stigmata, <laughs> obsessed. Devil's advocate, obsessed. Now, this is just, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm shouting my head off. Um, it is full of exposition, full of heavy-handed ridiculousness. You know, um, we're, we're meant to know that he doesn't realise who he is because somebody says, right at the beginning, but you have no memory of your childhood, <laughs> do you? Um, the whole thing is, is absurd. He, bless him, takes it so seriously that that's kind of endearing. I suppose you have to, really, right, if, you, if you're going to play Damien. Um, there's everything about it. The symbolism, the writing, the performances um, is absolutely over the top and ridiculous. And if you think about it, right, the actual main conceit could be fairly interesting, which is what if you're a normal guy who suddenly finds out you're the Antichrist. Like, I imagine that's not a very relatable thing to be faced with, but it could be quite an interesting thing to to explore. You've gone all these years thinking you're an, a normal guy. You might win a Pulitzer for your Pulitzer winning uh, <laughs> photography. Um, probably thinks you're a decent bloke. And actually, you know... You find out your destiny is to, is you are the Antichrist. That's quite a, a tricky thing to grapple with. Um, but any, any sense of subtlety or um, exploration of those things is ridiculous. Everybody takes it incredibly seriously. Everybody is incredibly over the top. It is funny, but it's definitely not meant to be funny at all. So I think Boyd's right. There are bits where I laughed out loud where... <laughs> I'm presuming the intention was to never make me (laughs) laugh out loud. The use of original Omen footage is weird. Um, I mean, you know, this, this absolutely is atrocious. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but what I love, what I love is just when it's getting super camp and you think this is just impossible to take seriously, they layer on Ave Satane from the original subject. So it's like, oh, yes,
2: yeah, so yeah. we've got Latin yeah.
0: devil music, so we know it's not supposed to be funny.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, and it's supposed to be scary. And not by the scary. way. Not scary. The dog scene. I mean, it's it's kicking its tail. <laughs> it, yeah, this is directed right by Shekhar Kapoor, who's an internationally renowned filmmaker. And honestly, that scene with the dogs is comically terrible. It's incompetently filmed. I yeah. genuinely thought it was incompetent. Like, what the fuck have they done with this? It should be. They, it's not yeah. hard to make a dog attack scary. For, the dog so, isn't I,
0: growling. It's just barking yeah, as if it's trying yeah. to get a treat. And then there's one <laughs> shot.
2: I'm, I know it's a spoiler. I'm sorry, but there's one shot of like. The, the, the intestine, the next like yeah. really gory shot, yeah. and I thought oh, that's funny, but it's so fake, it's so badly done that it's like, oh my god, it's just it's just incompetent, yeah. It's, I mean, it's terrible, isn't it? But it requires get... people involved because, like, Ernest Dickinson yeah. Yeah. some of it, yeah. I saw in episode two, um, you know, Jennifer Lynch directed an episode, but oh, fucking hell, <laughs> but it, it's funny
0: though, isn't it? Like, I, I this is unspeakably awful and yeah i enjoyed the whole hour i spent oh, yeah. watching it. whereas you know yeah. resident alien made me want to go out and go on a spree killing whereas yeah, this yeah, this yeah. was actually quite fun like yeah. you know it was I, I i yeah of course i won't watch any more of it not least of all cuz it's been cancelled but um <laughs> but it's it's absolute trash enjoyable nonsense mm-hmm. yeah 100%. and i think that it kind of this for me really kind of underscores the problems with Resident Alien. Like that is not an enjoyable show to watch. It's also rubbish, but it's also slightly hateful. <laughs> Whereas Damien is not hateful at all. It's actually, you know, it's 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 sort of it's amiably shit. Mm. That's my poster
2: quote. It, it's so weird, right? The Fo- I want to say, that it's on the Fox channel and the Fox channel is such a weird thing. So they have a lot of um, of shows that, that have been cancelled yeah. ages ago. There's loads of them. They're necroing um, old shit that aired in the States right. years ago. Yeah, mm. and yet they also commission new stuff, you know, they've got War of the Worlds is, is, on, is on Fox. Which is great which is and good, is coming yeah. back and I yeah. really like that with those yeah. Edgar-Jones. And I don't, I've never understood why it's a channel called Fox where they show loads of big American stuff That's but not on, why don't they just have it mix it with Sky One because it's special. Basically the same as Sky One stuff, and yet they should. But it's specializing seemingly in shows that have already been cancelled years ago. It's a really weird channel. Anyway. Well, but also, what's
0: the future of Fox UK well, with, yeah, with Star indeed. now coming here? Like, it's because it seems to be yeah. that, that's where they offload a lot of the stuff that ends up. What yeah. is it? Stuff from FX and and presumably exactly. ends up on yeah. Hulu as well in the states. But
2: well, all the good stuff ends up on other channels. To be, I yeah. have to say, like the good the good acquisitions. Um, yeah Fox K
0: is where all the stuff that the other I channels mean, didn't work in it really is on. it's so weird
2: yeah.
0: mm. <laughs> well Damien, the Antichrist, uh, arrives on Fox UK on Thursday, January 28th at 9pm, at exactly the same time as Resident Alien, Uh, and I think you can tell which one of those you should be watching, and the answer is neither. So, what else is out this week, Boyd? Um, Snowpiercer, we've already mentioned, is coming back. That's actually arriving on Tuesday, January
2: 26th on Netflix. I'm excited to get back on
0: that particular
2: train. Dead
0: Pixels is back on E4.
2: Yeah, uh, which I really like. Actually, that's the with Charlotte Ritchie one, mm. a, a, a podcast favorite. Charlotte Ritchie, who's brilliant in everything she does, and she's brilliant yep. in in um, it's a really it's a funny show. Dead Pixels. I don't know why it's on E four and not Channel Four. Um, it's weird. It's it's a it's an ensemble thing about you know people nerdy people playing. What's it called? There's a phrase for the games. The cup of the, the well, it's online. It's an MMO game, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it reminds me of the we? Guild. We liked
0: it. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, liked we did it. enjoy yeah. it. Even though yeah. Terry, you
2: clearly you were like, this is not your
0: world. No, but
2: I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's kind of observed in in a very it's a kind of very fond about that world and about the nerdiness of it and I really like the tone of it I watched the first episode of the new series it's really good um, so we've got yeah we've got that uh, really good te- dead pixels uh, we've got the euphoria the second of the euphoria which we didn't like the I uh, did you didn't oh yeah you did <laughs> Uh, Terry and I were right and we didn't like um, right. the the, the, uh, the special that went out before Christmas this is the second part of that special um, Hunter Schaefer um, has co-written it um, with the Euphoria guy what's the Euphoria guy called um, that guy uh, um, and so that's on Monday on Sky Atlantic and now yep. TV Bless This Mess is on Fox UK <laughs> oh yeah on Fox yeah that's another I'm sure that's oh, 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 been been cancelled already yeah <laughs> um yeah i think that's it pretty much yeah. yeah well that's the majority of the exciting stuff coming out this week now
0: what would our pick of the week be
1: i would say i'm torn between um how are you torn <laughs> how is that tearing I'm torn this is insane i enjoyed um you know in terms of Quality, I'd say Marcella and Resident Alien are, are neck and neck. I mean, hang on, Marcella, hang on. What <laughs> <no>. is
0: happening? <laughs>
1: That's what I think. That's
0: deranged. Uh, okay. I'd
1: say if you want to have a really rollicking good time, watch The Dreadful One.
2: Yeah, Marcella is clearly yes, the, the best of the week. Marcella, which My, is very, excellent. I, I like the fact that Terry quite liked Resident Alien. I think it's, it's, a yeah. real, oh, it's a turn okay. up.
0: It's a turn up. Yeah. Oh, fine. Fine. Well, Marcella would definitely be my favourite. That said, we haven't seen Snowpiercer, that could be excellent, but I I think it would have to go a long way to, to unseat Marcella for me. Well, that is it for this episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then do feel free to tell us all about it over at Apple Podcasts, or, to be honest, anywhere else that lets you post podcast reviews. You know, don't feel that it would be too much to daub a five-star rating on the side of your home if you feel so inclined. Uh, We are on social media at James C. Dyer, at Terry underscore White, and at Boyd Hilton i have no earthly idea what we'll be watching next week (laughs) i'm sure there will be telly on so we'll certainly come up with something but more importantly by next week's show terry may well have finally reached the end of the west wing and will be forced to answer that most pressing of questions what's next pilot out
1: i will give you i will give you I, i i will give you this one in this you are entirely correct, entirely correct. Correct. correct, 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 entirely correct. In this you are entirely, entirely correct.